Still in my ugly backups here. I'm not sure what happened to my other pair. I usually have to check the top of my head, and I usually have about two or three pair up there. <clears throat> I want to go back to a verse that we, we began this uh, section of uh, sermons from. In John chapter 4, we talked about worship in spirit and truth. We're going to kind of just go back here for an idea. He said, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship, <clears throat> excuse me, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And a, a thought dawned on me this week as I was reading this that I never, maybe there's a reason I've never heard it before. Maybe it's uh, because, because I'm wrong. Uh, but it just... Uh, we always interpret this kind of the way we, we looked at it in the first two, that, that, that Jesus is emphasizing, and he is clearly emphasizing the spiritual aspect of, of what God wants worship to be. And, and uh, uh, there's an element in here that I wonder, just it's more a wondering, I'm not going to make it as an absolute statement. If he's, if he's trying to draw people away from the, the physical elements and the physical expressions, or I should say from the focus on physical expressions, because of something that is going to happen. He says, uh, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And, uh, and we, I, I think a lot of times, I've, and I've always just kind of made this to be like, you know, it's not going to be important where you do it at. It, that's not the point is not where you do it at. It, it, it's it's going to be these other two elements that are really important, the spirit and the truth. The concept, however, is a true statement. What Jesus said is absolutely, literally and historically accurate. Uh, in a few in, in, within one generation, this is a famous uh, this is from a bus. It's called the, the, the Arch of Titus. And Titus was the general only 40 years after Jesus uh, makes this statement or so, 41, 42 years after this, uh, the Jews are kicked out of Jerusalem. I, I mean, uh, there's still Jews that live there, but it is not a Jewish city anymore. Uh, this is actually not a picture of them leaving with their stuff. This is a picture of the Romans taking their stuff back to Rome. All the, the, the fancy stuff, and I don't know if that's an ark or just some, some other stuff, but I see that a, a candle, and the, the candlesticks, and all these other things. Uh, and they said, thanks for the gold, and we're leaving. And you're leaving, by the way. Uh, and, and you're going to go somewhere else. And they, they lived throughout uh, Palestine for some, some period of years, but, but eventually, uh, as, as Christianity populates it, uh, Christianity wasn't always uh, the, the the people who claimed I should say the people who claimed Christianity weren't always the most peaceful of people. Right? So, so with Constantine, Constantine kind of was a military Christian. Uh, he was he was he you know he was the original God and guns guy. Uh, so he only back then it was swords. 
And so, so he kind of like, he, like Constantine marched his army into, I forget what river was, to baptize them. You're like, you will be baptized. <laughs> so, um, and I'm sure that, that, that God said, that's what I was going for. Uh, glad you, you nailed that on the, right there. That was exactly what I was looking for. But uh, as that influence was, was gaining momentum in Palestine, Jews were leaving because guess what? Some of those people kind of said, yeah, we got to kick them Jews out. They, they killed Jesus and, and, and kind of forgot that Rome had a little bit of a hand in that. Uh, and uh, well, of course, in, in the 600s, Islam comes in and, and, and they kind of take over from there. They kind of were kicking out the Christians and, and the Jews with it. And so, so what Jesus says here is absolutely accurate. What Jesus says, listen, there's coming, you better start learning these other principles because the time is coming where it's not, you're not going to be here to have this argument with me, lady. It's not going to be, well, Jews, they say we should be in Jerusalem, and we say we should be up here in Hebron. Man, you're, you're neither are you going to live here. So you're going to have to find some deeper principles to worship. And with that, we're going to talk about uh, some of the elements, the physical elements of worship. It says, now even <clears throat> the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared in the first section in which were the lampstand and the table, which we saw being carted off. Uh, and the bread of the presence, and it is called the holy place. Now, I want to draw your attention to that word, even. That word, even, tells us something. It tells us that he is drawing an allusion to the Old Testament to say there's something similar in the New Testament. He's like, even that had this. That means even more so now. That's that comparison. If it was then, it's more so now. And what is he drawing their attention to? A physical location for worship. Don't, don't, don't get ahead of me because you don't know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Unless you look at my notes. Mark always looks at my notes before the class. So We want to talk about the time and the place of worship. Because we a lot of times say, oh, it's not about a time. We just read Hebrews 9. In verse 1, it says, listen, even the Old Testament had a time and place of worship. That's kind of what that boils down to. So if that did, then now, there is a time and a place of worship. So let's begin with the when. In Acts 26, verse 7, he says, uh, in just kind of cutting into a, a, a little bit here. He's giving his defense. Uh, or, uh, and so he's, he's, he's talking about how, what his background is. He says, To which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O king. Well, this tells us a couple of things. Without even getting into the context, which I know we're supposed to get into the context, uh, 
But without even doing that, I, I, can, I can know two things from this. And, and if I read the context, it wouldn't change anything. First of all, I know it's all the time. It's day and night. The Jews, even the Jews, did not have an idea that worship started and stopped. And we do this all the time. Now our worship begins. No, it doesn't. It's night and day. Night and day. That's the time of worship. I told you you didn't know where I was going. We say it in our prayers on Sunday morning, but... That prayer doesn't start worship. I was in a, a church. I was filling in for a friend who was on vacation, so I filled in at church, and, and I was kind of nervous. I was in college and uh, filling in, and he had pretty big shoes to fill. And uh, <clears throat> and so I get up there, and I was doing everything. It's one of those small churches where a preacher does everything. You know, it's like you're leading the songs, then you're doing this, and then you're doing that. And so, so I, I, I go to. And uh, so it started, and I'm, I'm, I finished and going out, and everything went okay. And uh, so this little old lady at the end, she comes up to me, and she goes, I don't know how we expect God to bless the service if you didn't open with a prayer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh! The whole thing. Just forget it, scrap it, let's start over. Let's, let's bring everybody in. I'll do the whole thing and I'll just say the prayer. And we, <laughs> I don't know how. There's such that emphasis that we, we're used to that emphasis on the opening of worship. Well, that's the first thing I notice. Is it's all the time. But uh, the second thing that I notice here is that if, if that's true, if it's day and night worshiping, because my day and night isn't, isn't spent doing one thing, that means there's going to be a lot of different expressions of worship, isn't there? There's a massive amount of It's day and night. And that's going to involve my life, and it's going to involve stuff throughout the week. That means there's lots of expressions of worship. And we're going to look at... Not look at some of those to like, like itemize them, but we're going to look at some concepts of that. Uh, it, but before we do, someone might have pointed out, and, and I, want, I want the context here is visible in this verse. And someone's going to say, Andrew, this is Paul talking about his life as a Jew. And, and he's talking about the Jews here. And we're in the New Testament. And so, so, so you can't really make a whole lot of statements from this passage about what worship as a Christian looks like because this is talking about Jewish worship. That's a fair point. Uh, so we'll direct our attention to something that is. This is the uh, passage, we, we read a sister passage to this last week in Colossians, and he says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in our name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is tagged on to the end of talking about one of the expressions of worship. We're going to actually go through this chapter. Uh, so if, if you want to get yourself there, it's not going to be up here, because we're just going to kind of go through Ephesians 5 uh, very briefly, as briefly as we can read a chapter. Uh, in just a second. 
But, but I want to illustrate something here. It is direct. This is direct expressions of worship. That, that God says, things that God wants done. Things that, that we understand and recognize as expressions of worship scripturally. He says, always. Not, not at, a, at a block from 9 to 11. Now, I cannot sing or pray literally 24-7. We're going to have to get some hours of sleep in there. There's a lot of things that go on in my day. So, so, so there's direct, but there's, we're also going to find that there's some, some indirect things. Romans 14.6 talks about this. It says, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so what is that picture of? Well, if you've heard me, I joke every year. I make the same joke every year. Uh, you know, uh, what a way to celebrate Christ, uh, the greatest Jew, by eating ham on Easter. Right? That's the great thing. And I'm writing this sermon, and I thought about that, and I'm like, yeah, yes, exactly. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. He says one, one person eats and gives honor to God because he has the right to, because God gave him the liberty to do that. And it's worship. Eating ham on Easter is worship. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I, it's always been a joke to me. And I'm like, man, I, 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 I like sabotaged my own joke. It's worship. And one person says, no, Jesus was a great Jew. I'm going to honor him by not eating ham. It's worship. Isn't that awesome? There's so many expressions. This is why I said this. There's so many expressions that it involves your day. It involves your week. Partaking in liberties that God has given you is a form of worship. It would be good to recognize that it's a liberty that he's given to you. Take some time and go, thanks. Because that's the point. That what makes it the worship is not the eating of the ham or the not eating of the ham. It's, it's he does so in honor of God. He's, he's just kind of like a, just like a little recognition. Thank you, God, for bacon and shrimp cocktail. Like, thank you. I joke, but, but this, is, this is serious. This idea that, that, that worship involves just a small number of events at a certain place in time. And worship is so much more than that. The when is all the time. And we need to incorporate God in all of my life. Not just in these few little things. When we start segmenting my life into the worship stuff and the not worship stuff. God says, well, please don't leave me out. I would, like to, I would like to be along for this, this part of your life. I was, uh, I was in, I did not my notes. But uh, I just I thought about this. Uh, I was in Ohio. Uh, Ohio needs to change their motto to Ohio under construction or Ohio barrel country. Uh, Ohio, the state of orange. One of those. 
The, the traffic in Ohio is always the worst. Right? So, so it's like, ah, I hate Ohio. And uh, I happened to drive, oh, I was leaving college and moving out and, and uh, I had someone actually, I had two vehicles and one of them uh, had a person driving my vehicle. One of my, <laughs> she was on her way out to a rally in Ohio. So she was gonna take my car as far as Ohio and I had to figure out how to get my car, one of my cars the rest of the way. But on the way there, we had, there was a tanker overturned on the highway, like, over, like some kind of spill of some sort, and no traffic moved anywhere. <laughs> it was like, oh, man. There was, between us and that was a rest stop. You have never seen, it looked like Woodstock. I was like, it was crazy. People trying to find parking and stuff like that. We finally, like, they finally started opening up one lane, and it, we, we finally pulled in. It was hours that we we had already sat there in the highway for two hours. And I'm fuming because I've told you, like, this is like time. I'm, I'm behind now. These are hours that I was supposed to be on a location. And uh, I didn't mean, like, my car was, it was turned off. It was just turned off, and we were just sitting there. And, uh, and then, we, then we were, like, in the rest area for two more hours while, until traffic got going. So it was like four hours of my day. And I'm just so upset. Oh, I hate Ohio. <laughs> so, so we get back in the car. So, so I was, I, was, I was talking with Christine. She's like, oh, I had a great time. I'm like, are you nuts? She's like, no, I, I wrote letters to all the people that I had been meaning to write letters to. And, and, and she's like, she was talking about like scenery and... and like, she had a worshipful afternoon. And I had an angry afternoon, and we were in the same location, in the same situation. God says, please bring me along. Just bring me along. It, it will make your day better if you bring me along. That was not in my notes, but just kind of this made me think of it. So I want to talk about the where. The where. Now I want to turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. And um, I want to talk about being at church. And I want to read Ephesians 5, but we're going to add a little bit to the Bible. You don't mind if I add to the Bible, do you? We, we do care? Okay, good. We're, we're just going to do that to illustrate a point. And after each phrase that I say, I better get my glasses for this, this is a small print Bible. I'm just going to say a phrase like at church or in the church building. We're going to see how this, how this chapter turns out. See if, see if this chapter makes sense the way we have kind of developed over a couple thousand years. Let's, let's see how this works. He says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children at church. Oh, that's nice. And walk in love in the church building as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not be heard of in the church. <laughs> okay. Uh, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking is not suitable in the church building. Well, I agree with that. 
but rather giving thanks. For we know and recognize this, every sexually immoral, impure, greedy person who is an idolater at church does not have the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you at church with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners in the church building. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord in the church building. So live as children of light when you're in the church building. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness in the church building, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to mention what is done by them in secret in the church building. Everything exposed by the light is made visible for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleep, we're in the church building, and rise up from the dead. We've had a couple of that, but uh, Christ will shine on you. Pay attention, then, how you live in the church building. Not as unwise, but as wise, making most of the time in the church building because the days are evil. And so don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is in the church building. Don't get drunk with wine in the church building. Good advice. Which leads to reckless living, but be filled with spirit at church. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in the church building. Singing and making music with your heart to the Lord in the church building. Giving thanks. Oops. Always. Why? Just a few questions. Just a few questions. That I have about this chapter. Um, why, when we get to verse 19, do we suddenly change what this is about? Why is this whole chapter, why do we understand that everything here would be silly to put at the church building after it? And we get to verse 19, whoop, this is about what we do at church building. It is not about what we do at the church building. It's about all the time. The where and the when are really the same idea when it comes down to it. You can't get drunk at church, but it's free once you get in your car. We would recognize that as silliness. Just discern what the will of the Lord is from 9 to 11. Sunday morning. Tuesday, don't care. That's silliness. So why do we take one sentence or two sentences out of this whole chapter and say, this is, God's really concerned about what goes on in the church building here. This is, the, the, the singing part is also about Tuesday and, and Thursday. It's, it, they had a life together. So there are only two locations for worship. 1 Corinthians 30, uh, 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's temple dwells in you? Remember, go back to what I said, that, that there was a divine place for worship. Even the Old Testament had a divine place for worship. That means there is one for the New Testament. He said, he said Don't you know that you are 
the Lord's temple. Don't you know that you are the church? We know that, right? But I want to I clue you in here. This verse, this verse is a lot of times mistaken for another verse, and we'll get to that one in a second. But here is the word you is plural. Okay, in, in other words, he's talking about a group. And, and in this whole context, if you read chapter 3, it, it's talking about how they build the Lord's church. And, and, and the methods you use, and, and what are going to be good methods, and, and things like that. That's this whole chapter. You collectively are a church. Now, it doesn't make a difference whether we're in a building or not, right? Right? It is in the building. The word means assembly. And so, we worship at church. Right? That means together. Where else would we worship? Well, we would also worship at church. (laughs) <laughs> what? It says, um, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you have from God that you are not your own. You see, this word is singular. You here is singular. Your body, singular, is also a temple. These are the two locations for worship. Together and separate. Those are the locations for worship. If you want to know where to worship, you can either worship with a group or you can worship by yourself. Those are the two locations. I don't know of any other locations. You can either be in a group or you can be by yourself. That's your two options in this world. And God says, I want you to worship in both of those places. I want you to worship on Sunday morning or Wednesday or whatever day you meet. When you're meeting together, I want worship there. Oh, and by the way, when you're by yourself, I won't worship there too. And I'm not really going to draw a distinction between them. Because you're the temple in both places. You're the temple when you're together. And you're the temple by yourself. That's where the Holy Spirit is. And I would like you to worship me wherever the Holy Spirit is. So I want to quickly talk about a universal idea of worship. A universal time and place. Romans 14, 11 and 12 says this, As it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. There is coming a point in time where you will worship. We will not have an option. <laughs> every knee in that location, in that assembly, and that's going to be a big assembly, is going to worship. Because then you will be physically in the presence of God. Well, now we're in the presence of God, we just sometimes we don't realize it. But there in front of God, we will not be able to deny His existence, His awesomeness. And I use that in the words, actual meaning, awesomeness. When God is revealed, that, that moment where, where we can see him as he is. 
I can only imagine what it would sound like to have the billions of people who have ever lived on this planet hit their knee at one time. That's going to be pretty loud. That's going to be pretty impressive. Whenever a crowd does anything audible, it's, it's impressive. And I've only been, you know, I, I'd say the biggest audience I've been in, I walked out in Yankee Stadium, upper nosebleed section, and it was awesome. I've never seen this many people in one place at one time. That was, this is, that, that's going to pale in comparison. That is going to be nothing to seeing every human who's ever lived on this planet at one time go boom. That gasp has... People see God unveiled. And as people beg forgiveness and really begin worshiping. And so I I leave you with this. To get credit for it now. There's going to be a time where we're all in front of God. And we're all afraid, by the way. Don't think that because... You're a Christian that you're not going to be afraid. I'm so glad that I'm sitting. You're going to hit the knee. Every knee is going to go down. Every knee is going to be simultaneously impressed by how high God is and how undeserving we are, even if you're saved. But I think it will be a little different. There will be something in the back of your mind that goes, but the blood of Christ. It's a little different. But you can still be afraid. You can be safe and still be afraid. I was driving. I might have shared this illustration with you. But I was driving home uh, from... I worked overnight at a... I cleaned a car dealership was when I, way back when I did Janitorio. And uh, I was driving home from uh, Saratoga, New York. And I hit Clifton Park, New York, which is about halfway down to Albany. I lived in Troy, which is across from Albany, but Albany... And, uh, and I was doing this. And it just, you work all night and you're exhausted. And it's only like a half hour, 40 minute drive, but I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, I fell asleep on the road. Now, is that, oh, it's a phone in machine. And uh, I, this is what I remember. I remember doing this. In uh, Clifton Park, I hit the Clifton Park exit, not literally, but that's where I fell asleep. And that's right where the road widened out for the exit ramp. Right as I did this, and I went, huh, and I was on the exit ramp. I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting off here. <laughs> and, uh, and it was raining. It was raining, and, uh, and I just got out, and I just stood there. And uh, I'm like, so, so I'm first I'm getting awake. And then the next thing I, 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 I was like, I got really shaky, like thinking what could have happened. Because there's not a lot right there. There's like you and a, a wall of rock, which would not have, I mean, if, I, if it would have been like 100 feet sooner. It would have been a really bad scene. And, uh, and I, I just remember retroactively being scared for my safety. Like, what could have been? 
I'm safe. Why, why, why are you scared? I'm safe. I, I think that's kind of be the, 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 the that's going to be the way I hit the, the ground. I'm safe, but man, what could have been? There's a lot of things in my life. What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? So get credit for it now. Worship now. Take God. Those moments of life, whatever they are, take them now and get credit for the worship. Because there it's too late. When, when anyone can see it and, and prove that, God says, blessed are those who, who believe, but they don't see. That's where the blessing comes in. And, and taking that worship, making it a part of my life here, home, work, school, Whatever the, the situation where I'm at by myself, that's where I get credit for the worship. And not that I earn my place in heaven. But like I says, that's, that's where, where it means something to God. Not when you have no choice in the matter. Please stand. Hey.